welcome to our third Bible study from the book of Galatians. If you remember last week, we were picking it up when Paul was beginning to explain how he'd received the gospel, um, that he'd been actually knocked off his horse, that he encountered the living Jesus, and that he was on fire for God. Although he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, now he was a follower of Jesus Christ. And the whole theme of the book of Galatians is this, isn't it? It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And we, uh, we looked at his conversion and then how he prepared his heart. He went to the wilderness and, and then how he began to minister the gospel to people. And when we receive the gospel, we should minister the gospel with those who have been saved, not so we can just get a ticket to heaven, but we're saved that the Lord would use us to win others for the kingdom of God. And this is exactly where Paul finds himself. God has encountered him on the Damascus Road and his passion thereafter is for people to know the Jesus that he knows. It says this, after 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas, and I took Titus along also. 14 years had come and gone. That's, uh, we skip over verses like that, but that's a long time. A long time. So what's Paul been doing uh, during that time? Well, obviously he's been doing God's work. He's been ministering. Um, he's obviously preached the gospel, he's planted churches, he's appointed elders, he's released ministries, he's taught the word of God, he's laid hands on people that they might be filled with the Holy Spirit, he's taught healing, he's modelled the very things of the kingdom of God. He spent a life, 14 years, 14 long years, just blessing people, preaching the truth, seeing God establish churches, seeing all things kind of happen around and about, and he's been... He's been doing this. Look, we believe totally in Ephesians 4 gifted ministries and the apostle was clearly called to establish churches and to raise up leadership. Now, he didn't go up to Jerusalem and have that conversation with uh, the uh, other apostles, which is quite interesting, really. And I just want to say this. When God calls us to leadership, we should always be accountable. But we cannot let that accountability stop us from doing what God is asking us to do. So, yes, we submit to each other. Yes, we talk to each other. But it's no good going up to Jerusalem and talking to the other apostles and not doing anything. His call was to get on with the work. And so many people spend so much time, especially ministers, talking to each other. What about this? What about that? What's happening in your church? What's happening in my church? Now we've got a clear mandate from the Holy Spirit. God has called us to get on with building the church and creating disciples and getting out there with what we're supposed to be doing. Too many people keep running to, to other people saying, what do you think of this and what do you think of that? What matters is what the Holy Spirit thinks. And I, I am convinced that in Central that we're going to see a new and a fresh day because we're not looking at what everybody else is doing. After this pandemic, the place is, piece of paper is cleaned, as we've already said. We're not looking at what everybody else is doing, but we are looking at what God is doing among us. And we have a specific job in Sedgley in our locality as we found out over these last few weeks antisocial behavior in Sedgley is at all-time high people are frightened of the kids that are roaming around the streets on night um, drugs have been exchanged on car parks the whole place looks an absolute mess but we believe that God has called us to Sedgley for such a time as this and what works up in Devon and Cornwall is not going to work in Sedgley what works in in New Zealand and Australia, he's not going to work in surgery. God has got a very specific task for us, as he did with the Apostle Paul. Paul was clearly pointed by God to the Gentiles and had a ministry there. 
The other apostles were clearly to look after the Jewish people and had a ministry there. But Paul just got on with his job. He didn't keep looking over his shoulder. That's what I'm trying to say. 14 years of just getting on with it before he even goes to see the other apostles. And then he says, I went in response to a revelation and meeting with them privately, those who were esteemed as leaders. I presented to them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure that I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. So he did lay his ministry before them and say, what do you think? This is what I've been preaching. This is what I've been teaching. This is what I've been doing. What do you think? And there is a time for accountability. And there's a time for reflection and taking stock. Because what can happen very often is, and this is what we're just about to find out, is the gospel can get corrupted. If we just come away slightly from the truth of the gospel, from the blood of Jesus and from his death on the cross and for his complete work on Calvary, we start to add little things in and little nuances. Suddenly the gospel becomes genetically modified and it becomes useless and people do not get saved and lives do not get transformed. So that's what the apostle was doing here. He wanted to lay his ministry down and say, look, this is the gospel that I've been preaching. This is what I've been telling the Gentiles. I want you to know and to understand that this is what God has called me to do. But is it the right thing? Have I been saying the right things? And then he goes on to talk to them. You know, he, he laid before them his ministry. He did not lay before them his strategy. And that's, again, I just want to refer back to what I've just said. Is God has got a strategy for Sedgley that is unique. But we almost must measure the, the, the depth of the gospel that we're preaching. So although I'm accountable to leaders and to Assembly of God for the gospel, I'm not accountable to them for my strategy because I believe their strategy comes straight from heaven. So I do what God is asking me to do in terms of strategy, but then I'm true to the gospel. And I lay that before godly men and women. And I, I, I measure that against the Bible and against the New Testament and make sure that I'm preaching the truth and that the truth is setting people free. There is a great difference between strategy and what we preach. Strategy is the plan of how we can do things. Preaching the gospel is the truth that we release and see people's lives transformed. Strategy always alters, the gospel never alters. Plans change, programs change, but the gospel never, never changes. So we need to be those that understand the difference between strategy and gospel. Strategy and gospel. And then we begin to see something. He says, not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because false believers had infiltrated our ranks and spoiled our freedom that we had in Christ to make us slaves again. Now Paul is getting to the nub of what Galatians is all about. And that verse about freedom. Because what he's saying here is the gospel by some had been modified. And what people were saying is, it doesn't matter that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you're not saved unless you have the circumcision, which is the sign of Abraham. So what he's saying is you have to adhere to the old covenant because the new covenant's not good enough on its own. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not what we believe in Sedgley. It's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that by grace we've been saved through faith. And it's the gift of God. It's not of ourselves like any man could boast. There's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any the less. But what you need to do is put your whole heart and trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Now, what I'm about to say right now might seem a little bit heretical, but I'm going to tell you now as your pastor, this is the truth. 
Water baptism will not save you. Speaking in tongues will not save you. Feeling goosebumps about the Holy Spirit will not save you. It's the precious blood of Christ and nothing. Nothing. Nothing else can you add to the redeeming work of Jesus on Calvary when he laid down his life for you and for me. There is nothing else for me to do. We used to sing that. There's nothing else that I can do because Jesus did it all and I am completing him. No circumcision, no keeping of the law, no trying to be good, no trying to be better, no becoming part of a denomination or belonging to a church is ever going to ever take the place of the purity of the blood of Christ and his cleansing work on Calvary for you and for me. Salvation comes by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. No wonder the John, the, uh, John says about Jesus as he sees him, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We often sing that. No, what can wash away my sin? Abrahamic circumcision? No. Being good and kind? No. Belonging to a church? No. And having a nice pastor? No. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And the second we start to water down the gospel, we start to make make, make it ineffective. And what, what Paul keeps trying to point out is, look, on the Damascus Road, all I had was an encounter with Christ. All I did was repent and come to know him as my Lord and Saviour. And that's all that you need today, all that you need. If you're struggling and thinking, I, I can't keep up with salvation, you're absolutely right. You didn't, can't keep it up because you didn't buy it. It's been bought for you and given to you as a free gift. Jesus Christ has paid in full the ransom for you and for me. He's blotted out our sin and he's clothed us in robes of righteousness that we do not deserve so don't add anything to it you can't add anything to it there is only one way jesus said he was the way the truth and the life bless the lord and those who were held in high esteem whatever they makes no difference to me god does not show favoritism they had nothing to my message on the contrary they recognized that i entrusted the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised just as peter had been to the circumcised so he goes up to jerusalem he talks to the apostles, he lays his ministry before them, asks them to not look at his strategy, but his doctrine and the way that he'd been preaching and teaching. And says, all these esteemed guys are saying, look, Paul, what you're preaching is absolutely true. But we do recognise this. What you preach is for the Gentiles, to the non-Jews, but we are called to preach to the circumcision, to those that are Jews. So there is clearly callings upon people's lives. Don't try... And be something that you're not. I believe God has a very special way to call us into areas of ministry. And uh, we not all have to do the same thing. But there is things to be done as we open up our hearts to our Lord Jesus Christ. And we serve him wholeheartedly. He will manoeuvre us and get us into the right position. Paul, although a Jew of Jews, Pharisee of Pharisees, God had decided that he got a special assignment written upon his life. And that was to the Gentiles and to establish churches right across Europe. Whereas Peter and the other apostles stopped in Jerusalem and kept with the Jewish people and led them. So God's got different things for different people. So don't always get upset and think, well, I should be doing this, I should be doing that. Now God's got a special place for you and a special job for you. James, Cephas and John were esteemed pillars, gave me Barnabas as a right hand of fellowship when they recognised the grace was given to me. There was a unity among the leadership. 
You know, one of the greatest things that you can ever do as a leader is esteem another leader. They might have a different ministry to you. One of the wonderful things that's happening in Sedgley and Gornall right now is that the leaders, all of them, from all the denominational churches, are praying together every Tuesday afternoon. We get together, we have a laugh and a joke, we've got great relationships with each other, we pray for each other. There's no competition in any of that. And we've offered each other the right hand of fellowship. We belong to each other. And therefore, I believe God's doing something very special in building his church. Now, it's not always easy. But, you know, I want to recognise the giftings that are in other people. We've got some great gifts right across our area. We prayed long and hard, didn't we, essentially, for someone to come to All Saints that would be a real man of God. And I'm delighted that Guy Hewlett is, is in position. And what a wonderful uh, evangelical charismatic vicar he is. And just such a father figure and so full of wisdom. Just, just to mention one. You know, and, and God's really moving upon the churches. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we start to recognise in, in each other different gifts. We're not all the same. We don't all lead the same. We don't all talk the same. We all look the same. But by the grace of God, we're all working towards the kingdom of God and seeing something powerful happen in our churches. So this is exactly what is happening here. That James, Cephas and John, those esteemed pillars gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. They shook our hands and said, we recognise the grace of God that's upon you. We need to do that for other believers as well. Recognise the grace of God that's on people. God puts a grace upon you to do things. Uh, puts a grace on other people to do other things. So when you see fellow believers in church and they don't do what you do, but they're doing something very special for God, give them the right hand of fellowship and recognise the grace that's upon them. Just like we all recognise the grace that is also upon you. Hallelujah. God has called us all to do something different and key and strategic in his kingdom. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcision. All they asked that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I'd been eager to do all along. So they came to an agreement. Paul, you carry on doing this. Me and the apostles Peter will do, we'll do that. But there's one thing that we should all do, is make sure that we minister to the poor and the needy. You know why? Because Jesus said that the gospel was good news to the poor. He said that, didn't he, when he took the scroll, he said, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. He said, anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Just because people have got money doesn't make them rich. There are many, many poor people in our town, essentially, who've got lots of money in the bank, but they are bankrupt spiritually. They are poor in spirit. They're broken down. They've got marriages that have been broken. They've got families that have been pulled apart. They've got relationships that should, should have stood the test of time but haven't. They've got issues around work. It's just not all to do with money, poverty. Poverty can be a mentality. It can be a mindset. We can be rich in our wallet, but poor in our lives, poor in our relationships, poor in our health. There are people in there with poor health. So as the believers in Jesus Christ, as we take the gospel, we are to minister to the needs of those that are poor. So let's minister to the sick. Let's minister to those that have no money and that we can reach out and help and do something financially for or, or bless them materially. But let's reach out to those that are poor in relationships, those that have had broken marriages, those that have had bereavement, that are feeling grief right now and, and the real sense of loss. We're to minister to all of these. So here, again, just some really simple messages from the book of Galatians on this our third study is that early in Paul's ministry he'd gone up and he'd been introduced to the apostles then for 14 years he'd gone off doing what God had asked him to do 
then it came to a time of re-evaluation. And I guess as a church, after all the years of ministry we've been involved in, the pandemic has brought us to a time of re-evaluation and sitting down with a blank piece of paper and saying, have we been doing the right thing? Have we been preaching the right things? Have we been saying the right things? Have we been teaching the right things? And he laid that before some godly men and they recognised a grace upon him, a grace that was to the Gentiles. And, and he also tried to point out, you know, we can't live with this, this doctrine that started to come into the church that somehow you've got to be a Jew or be circumcised to be a Christian because it's through the blood of Christ alone and nothing else will cut the mustard. And then the apostles just recognised that grace upon him to, to do what he's been doing and they gave him the right hand of fellowship. They shook his hand and said, you're a brother in Christ. You might not be like we are. You might not have the same strategies we have. You might not establish churches the way that we do. You may not raise up leaders the way that we would. But you are still yet a brother in Christ. What did Jesus say? Those are not against us. They're for us. So very often we're critical of other people's styles. Listen, forget style. I'm not looking for style right now. I'm looking for substance. That's what I said about my brothers in Christ right across Sedgley and Gaul. So many different preaching styles and teaching styles. So many different styles of worship in their churches. I'm not particularly interested in that. What I want them to want to know is, do they preach Jesus? Do they preach the gospel? Do they speak the truth? Do they declare the wonders of God? Do they talk about the blood of Jesus and the cross? Do they talk about the resurrection? Do they minister Christ to people who are poor and needy? And that's all we need as the Church of Jesus Christ, to stand strong and to love people and to do all that God is asking us to do. I mentioned it on Sunday and I mentioned it again, our first core value is that Jesus is our message. Essentially, our second core value is people of our heart. So whether we're ministering to unbelievers or whether we're standing by side by side with those that are our fellow brothers and sisters, we're to love people and to encourage them and to bless them and to share the good things of Jesus with them. I, th I find these, these verses very, very encouraging that we can have a strategy in Sedgley for Sedgley, but the gospel doesn't alter. That the churches up in Dudley can have a strategy for Dudley and Stourbridge and so on and so forth, that they'll be slightly different because our circumstances differ so do our faces, but the gospel never, never changes. And that's what we have to be clear about, that we don't alter it by one little jot or tittle, that we preach the truth, because it's only the truth that's ever going to set people free. So let me encourage you, be friends with people from all walks of life and denominations. If you look, if you find Christian brothers and sisters at work, give them the right hand of fellowship. They may not go to a church like ours, but they belong to Jesus and they're your brother and sister. And so work with them and pray for them. It's really important, isn't it, that this unity comes because the body of Christ is united, uh, not in doctrine or in practice, but because... They are loving each other. And that's what Jesus said. By this will all men know that you are my disciples when you have love for one another. So some real big take-homes from this message in the, this evening is get on with it. Then there's a time for renewal and review. And there's a time to understand that you have got a specific role and that we're not all the same. And that there's an area of ministry that God has got for you as an individual that he doesn't have for somebody else. So let me encourage you, whatever God has placed in your hand to do, that you would do with all your might. And as we look through, through uh, this book next week and the week after the week after until we finish it, that God would continue to let us understand that it's for freedom. Christ has set us free. You're free. You're free to serve the Lord in the area which he has given you to serve him. 
you might not serve like somebody else down the road or somebody in another church, but God has got a clear ministry and mandate for your life to take the gospel, understand the strategy, and get on with it. That's why we need to pray, because we need to understand the heart of God. You know, people say, well, why do we need to pray? Why do we need the gifts of the Spirit? Haven't we got everything that we need in the Bible? Of course, we've got everything that we need in the Bible in terms of the gospel. The gospel is the liberation. That's the, that's the very thing that we live for. But, you know, there's nowhere in the Bible that says, therefore, says the Lord, you go to Sedgley. But sometimes you might get a prophetic word that says, you go to Sedgley, or you knock on somebody else's door. And these things are not written in the Bible. This is not taken away from the Bible. This is not extra biblical revelation. But this is the prodding of God for a strategic outworking of the gospel so we need to be open-hearted ears open eyes open listening to the voice of our savior so that he can part to us the plan and the strategy for essentially whatever anybody else is doing in bilston or warsaw god bless them but we we're not in bilston or warsaw god has planted us in the house in sedgley therefore we need to understand the strategy for sedgley and then go with it with all of our heart not compromising the gospel i know some of you don't like baseball caps or tattoos some of you don't like the louder music and this, that, the other. But all that is superfluous as long as we preach Christ and him crucified. So it's been a wonderful opportunity again for us to share around God's word. I pray a real blessing upon you and your family. Uh, pray that you continue to, to just study the word with me on a Thursday. Uh, although we're doing the Just Jesus course, we're going to carry on with our Bible studies. I think it's important that we take the Bible and open it up. So although you've got discipleship material to go through and to take other people through, it's imperative that we keep on preaching and expounding the truth of the scriptures. And so I'll be here week after week, taking a book of the Bible and opening it up to you. Just follow it along. Just get the whole sense of this theme that we're free people. Free from sin and death, but also free to serve God. And, and, and free for him to, to put us into a place where we can serve him uh, differently to perhaps other people, but wholeheartedly, uh, full of love and full of joy. So may the Lord bless you um, as we go today. I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would be all over you and your family. And those that just need a touch from the Lord right now, I just declare healing and health in Jesus' name. But Lord, I just pray as we go that we just understand this, that the gospel does not alter, but the strategy often changes. So give us ears to hear and a mouth to speak truth in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.